that's room to be concerned right there. I'm so excited about this morning. I want to title the message is, um, is do we know what time it is? And I want to talk about time and season in a way probably that most of us has not heard. And it should be an encouragement to us because you may be in a season that's pretty tough and going through things that are not uh, what you would be favorable to you. But if you understand the time and season you're in and you know what to do, then it makes it a whole lot easier. And sometimes if we are, we can delay, prolong, or hurry up a season depending on our response from that. In Ephesians 5, 16, and it gives us this understanding. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools or unlearned, but as wise in redeeming the time, redeeming the time, and we can catch up, bring it back to its rightful place, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many would agree that these are evil days? We've never lived in such a time as this where conscience and the fear of God has taken a back seat. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is relating to the time and season we're in. Understand what the Lord's will is, even in a season that's difficult. God has a will on that regard. Um, do not, then he goes on to say, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So in regard to the time we're in, we should be more looking towards being more filled with the Holy Spirit than any other time. Amen. The leadership of the Holy Spirit is going to have to guide and direct us in such a way so that we understand what's happening and will not be fearful. Because if we know what the Lord is doing, we'll not be fearful of that. And so my Diane and I were having this conversation about what's happening in the world. And he said, when you see all these things, look up, rejoice, for your redemption draws nigh. So if we understand where the Lord is and the time of all that God is, and I'm not going to get into end time prophecy so much, but if we understand that it should be a sense of rejoicing in our heart and lifting our heads and seeing what God's doing and not looking around what all the world is doing. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Here's the good part. So that which remains is what he's building upon. So don't be, a, don't be disheartened by discouraged by what is shaken, we can be disappointed, but not to the point that it causes you to lose faith. Not to the point where you says, I, why, why try? It's all going to be messed up. It's all going that way. So we're not putting our confidence in a government or, or leadership of men. We're putting our confidence in that God knows the end from the beginning and he has us on a, a direction and a plan. So that's what I want to talk about and then and really how it affects us individually uh, where we are and individually uh, on the plan. So turn with me Woody, to Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. This is really going to be in two parts. I'm going to break it up. Number one, I'm going to talk about time and where we are and why time has an effect and really why God made time. And then what time is it? Then the second part is to for us to be encouraged knowing that whatever you're going through at the moment that it's a seasonal thing. It's temporary. Some of the greatest words in the scriptures, and, and it came to pass. I don't want to get stuck there by simply looking at the season and complaining about being in the season, or even saying, I remember the good old days when I didn't have to deal with this. 
Well, the good old days, you were farther away from where the nasty now nowadays are. So it's what you're walking through this that God wants us to rejoice. And he tells us in Thessalonians, we've not, been, we've not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. So we know that God has a plan of taking us through that. So in the second part, I want to boil it down to where it is individually for your house and where you are and how God would apply, we have you to apply that in the day that we're in. So Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, it's easy for me to say, verse 1. This is very familiar to us. To everything there is a season, a time for every person under heaven. We could say, everything, there is a season attached to it. If it is a thing, it has a a time and a season attached to it. And for every purpose under heaven. It lists all the different things that go through that. Now look in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Has a time attached to it. Also, he has put eternity into their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God has does from the beginning and to, all the way to the end. So he starts out by saying that everything that is a thing that God has attached a time and a season to it. The idea with time is, for instance, it would be like 2023 is a time, but inside of that time, there is a season We could say four seasons, but spiritually there's a lot more than just the four seasons. Every year has seasons, depending on what kind of part of the country you're in, may not have that many seasons. But spiritually speaking, that every time has seasons attached to it. And so when we understand the times and seasons, two different things, then we know what to do and how to apply ourselves. We can't just go let it be business as usual and have our heads down and not realize that God has taking us through a time level and through something that he has seasonal for us. And it tells us in 2 Timothy 4, 2, be instant in season and out of season. Literally the word instant there is meaning ready. Be ready. How do we are ready with that is first of all, always give thanks, always give thanks in everything for this is the will of God concerning him, Christ Jesus. So first of all, learning to have a grateful heart, no matter the conditions and situations going on, that helps promote the season to become much shorter and you move through it much easier when you're giving thanks in everything, not necessarily for things. In the middle of it, you give thanks because there's something out of this that God is going to bring forth his his own purpose and his own name for that. So when he talks about for every purpose, there has been assigned a, a time or a season to it. God operates outside of time. In eternity, there is no such thing as time. There's no clocks in heaven, and I will be so grateful for that. You don't have to punch a time clock. You don't have to worry about 12 o'clock. You don't have to worry about any of that, because in heaven, God moves outside of time. But he has attached to us in, in this a time and a season. Actually, time is an interruption of eternity. Does that make sense? Eternity's moving without time, and all of a sudden God has created time, and time is an interruption to the continuum. Sounds like back to the future, doesn't it? The continual flow without time. And so God has given a, a set to us a time to the purpose that, he's, that we're called to, and so in that time we're given that, and inside of that time factor there are seasons 
for us to walk through to help us be able to carry and fulfill that purpose. Let me say up front that not every purpose will be the same thing as my purpose or your purpose. Your purpose could very well be love, which it is for all of us, is to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. To worship the Lord with everything in you is the very purpose and an initial foundational call of God before you do anything else. Don't worry about trying, am I called to do this, or am I called to this, or called to the nations, called to here, called to there. And right now you feel like all I'm doing is working and making pain bills and all that. If you're ministering to your family, loving your family and caring for your family, and you do it as in the name of the Lord, you have a purpose. And that purpose has been assigned a time. It has a time stamp on it. And there are seasons that you go through in that time period that will develop us to grow us up into the very purpose and the will of God. Now, First Chronicles, the 12th chapter, is a very familiar verse to us. There was a group uh, in the Issachar tribe. It was a clan of them. Somehow or another, God had especially given to them a particular gifting and it says that the sons of Issachar knew the times and seasons, knew the time that was attached to their thing. Whatever their thing is, God's given you a time for that. So you can't say, I don't have time to do this. Yes, you do. It just means that I have not prioritized my time. If I know the thing he's called me to, then know that I have time if I prioritize it. Redeem, buy back, get in alignment Redeem the times for the days are evil. The sons of Issachar understood the time, the timing of God, and they knew the season that they were in. There were seasons of Israel that they were in wartime. There were times that they were in peaceful times, depending on whether Israel was involved with idolatry and fornication and perversion, or that they had a good king that always brought the fear of the Lord back to them. When a righteous leader emerges in a nation, the people are in peace. So it is good that we pray over our leaders. It is believing God for a righteous leader. And it is good to believe and pray for those who have authority over us. But he's given us understanding the times and seasons and what to do. The time we're in, it should not cause us to be fearful. It should motivate us to everything we do, invest ourselves in the kingdom of God. The book that just came out, which I'll say again, the, no one has it. Amazon doesn't have it. You are the only ones that have access to it because it's not supposed to come out till next month. It's talking about the fact is that there's a currency of heaven and that we can lay up in heaven by obedience and things we do now that gives us currency or value to bring heaven to earth. Having the authority on earth as it is in heaven by the way we act. Because there's things that I can know theologically, but I'm bankrupt in heaven. I can know some things by my mind, and I can say, in the name of Jesus, devil get behind me, and the devil think, you overdrawn. You know Jesus, but you have never applied it and operated in the power, because there's authority, and then there's power of authority. We've been given authority over all the works of the enemy, but then a power is when we start walking it out and making application. A lot of us can quote scripture, and it sounds real religious, but when you have the power to back up that authority, then the demons tremble, and they know that you know. So what we're talking about we're given a time and we're in a season that we can lay up treasures in heaven and have currency there, have value there, have a, a power there to enlist it and bring it on earth as it is in heaven.
So I, I want to make some statements here that has just really kind of really touched me deeply and made me to really think about investing my life fully in the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about as a pastor, but I'm talking about as a husband, as a father, as one who just operates in life wherever I'm at, all of us have that same purpose. None of us should go through life just marking time, just going, breathing in and out, wasting time or looking for a certain time for retirement. Make the best of the time when you're in at that moment. When I leave this world, I don't want to leave anything on the table and feel like I've wasted any time. I have people that have come to me and even pastor and friend, other friends in the ministry, they said, you need to slow down. I said, time is not slowing down. And I've got to redeem the time being current with what the Holy Spirit and the flow of the Spirit of God is. That didn't mean I'll not take Sabbath rest and time just to come along and allow the Holy Spirit just to refresh me. But also not only do I have to be refreshed physically, but my mind has to take a Sabbath as well. Because you can lay down and rest and your mind's going a million different directions. Set your affection on things above. That's a mental Sabbath rest. Or if you're having conversations about a person you want to confront and you want to give them a piece of your mind, your mind is not at a Sabbath day of rest. Because a Sabbath day of rest means it's completion. It is finished and done. And if you're having a conversation about what you want to confront or tell that person, it's probably that, that you haven't forgiven them yet. And when Jesus forgave us... He no longer had conversation, could have conversation with the devil about our sin. Just forgive them. The power of the Lord will enable and help you do it. Paul says, if you don't forgive them for any other reason, forgive them for the sake of me. And so we understand that there has to be a Sabbath rest in order for the Holy Spirit to come inside of us and relieve us of the torment of the stuff. Because it's taken up so much bandwidth that it keeps me from doing what I need to do. It keeps me from pursuing what I need to pursue because I always got an issue about somebody or something. Make sense? Wow, that went over well. <laughs> your mind needs a Sabbath rest. As one thinks in her heart, so they become. Your thoughts go to your gut in a way and your gut responds with ulcers or whatever. We're at peace. All right, here's the first statement that I want to make to you. As the sons of Issachar understood times and seasons, but they also knew what to do. Here's the first statement I want to make to you. If you don't know what time it is, you don't know what to do. If you don't know what time it is, you don't know what to do. When I find myself, I don't know what to do, I need to go back and what time I am in. Because if I know it's 9 o'clock, then I know what to do when 9 o'clock comes. I need to be out the door heading somewhere. But if I don't know it's 9 o'clock, then I could not have to do anything. So whatever the time is, I need to be moving in the direction that that time tells me to. So if I don't know what time it is, then I don't know how to respond. Bad things could happen to us, and we're just mad, but we realize God says you're on a timetable and realize that I'm giving you an opportunity to overcome something. So the time is evil, but your season is overcoming. So what you do in your season at that time de determines how long you're going to be stuck in that season. 
The word kairos is seasonal. Chronos are the two, two, time, two Greek words we get for time. Chronos is that watch in your hand. But kairos is an open season. And when the timing of the Lord, which is what God had said, the promise of the Lord and the timing of the Lord comes together at that intersection of promise and timing, there's a suddenly. On the Bay of Pentecost, suddenly. Though that promise had been given thousands of years before that, Joel talks about it, but the timing of the Lord was when Jesus went into the Holy of Holies and put his blood there, and that became the timing of the Lord, intersected with the promise of the Lord, and bam, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire sat upon each of them, which was what happened when their, the sacrifice on the altar was, there was fire upon it, and now they became a temple of the living God. So we're not in an old covenant, we're in a new covenant, so the time is in a new covenant season. So if a person is legalistic, they don't know what time it is. If we shouldn't be liberalistic either. But knowing that Jesus has paid the price and we're right on schedule in the last days of what he's doing. The last days began at the resurrection of, of Christ. Let me just say also that if you see that God loved his son so much that he gave an offering. And this helps me. That when I give an offering, whether it's something I do or something financially I give that it, really, it leaves me and there's a death involved that I no longer can take it back. But it goes into resurrection. Think about it. Every offering you give relieves you and now it's in a point of resurrection. The point of resurrection when the Father takes over and he takes your offering and becomes a sweet-smelling savor as we worship this morning and comes up before the Lord and is there at the altar. Jesus is the right side of the Father making intercession because there's something come up from here that prompted him to move and to declare on earth what the, he's already saying there. So there's no sacrifices that you make that die. It goes into a point of resurrection. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, same spirit, lives and dwells in you and I, that same spirit will be, will be quickened, made alive, and brought to the point of resurrection. Now, this same sounds a little strange. I made it a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it again. 1 Corinthians 15 says this mortal body should put on immortality. My, in, my inside tells me, my spirit tells me, I'm not going to wait for that day for me to die to live in immortality. If immortality is a place in my heart and mind that I can live right now and I'm going to move and not waste time because I'm living by the immortality or the resurrection of Jesus, then I'm going to operate under the power of resurrection and not under the, the fear of death or the fear of that, you know, well, I'm, I'm this point and that point and I can't do this. I'm not like I used to and all that. But if I operate in immortality, I can do all things through Christ who resurrected me, resurrecting me, who quickens me even now. So I can't have any excuse to say, well, I just don't have what I used to. No, I don't. I've got more wisdom now than I had before. I've, I've come through enough stuff to know that he'll deliver me out of all of them so I have less fear to worry about because I've seen him operate. I've seen miracles and seen the things that he could do. Not that what that he can do, but I've seen him do it. So I'm operating in the mindset 
of immortality. Now, don't go away and the pastor believes that he'll never die. I'm not saying that at all. That's a doctrine that's off, off base. I'm saying I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Son of God did what? He's resurrected. I'm operating out of there to here, not operating what I feel and see around here. Be careful what you consume from the news media. I know I say, be careful what you consume from this fallen world because it is so depressive, but be impressed by the consumption of glory and honor and praise from the throne of God. We will operate from one tree or the other, the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sometimes people want to tell you, do you have knowledge about so-and-so and this happened, the government, this happened, this happened, and they just love to be the first to tell you bad news. Someone comes to me and says, have you heard the latest? I said, yeah, isn't it wonderful? And I know what they're trying to tell me. And they said, well, you go first. Jesus is alive. He's well. He's speaking to the Father, and all things are on time. That just kills their buzz. I, I get that. I know that. <laughs> all right. Ready for number two? In life, if, if life is measured by time, then wasted time is wasting life. I'm not talking about resting is wasted time. Wasted time is when I'm fearing something that'll never happen. Wasted time is being overcome by news that just grips your heart and has paralyzed you. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he was grieved by that John, was, was, his head was taken off of him. He, was, he had a relationship with John. He's grieved by that, but Jesus didn't stop and say, I don't know what, what's going on here. What's happening here? He had always set his heart towards the Father. I always do what I see the Father do. And though a season of bad news happens and a season that comes that grieves you, but don't get stuck in that season of grief or it'll capture you and the devil wants to recycle and recircle it around and around and around. And we should never remind people of their sin because that is agreeing with the devil of a bad or past season. But remind them you are redeemed and you've been called to redeem the days and the times before you. You are called into redemption, not into recycling. So if life is measured by time, then wasted time is a wasting of life. The word life is zoe, which means the ability to reproduce or bring to life again. You have zoe inside of your life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, not fear, give you life and give it even beyond breathing in and out abundantly, which means beyond where you are in the sarks, which means a physical body. So Jesus said, I've come to give you that life, but I think he was also talking about life eternally, and he has set, as Ecclesiastes sees, eternity inside of you. There should be something inside of you that's crying out that I'm moving towards eternity, not just moving for retirement. Retirement is a dead end that your mind and everything stops and everything shuts down. But that should be, I'm called unto him. Unto him shall the glory, the honor, and the praise be. I should, I want to have my, renew, my youth renewed like the eagles. Yes. I'm believing for that. Here's number three. We're in a season right now, I can tell you, that the church world, the whole world, is in a season of apostasy. Apostasy simply is a big word that means I'm, that one is falling away 
from the norms and the morals that they once embraced and they're moving away from it to the point is that they will even agree that you can be whatever you want to be, you just name it. Crazy stuff. And if you say something long enough, you'll believe it. If truth, does not, truth is not inside of a person, then whatever is on the outside and they hear constantly, they'll embrace that. It's truth because it's trending. You shall know the truth, have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, not just information. And when you know the truth, the truth not just sets, it's, the, it's not the word, but makes, is creating you to be like him, free. Free from stuff. So when you get upset and just saying, man, I'm so tired of this or whatever, knowing that you're just passing through a season, but the time has been attached to you for a purpose. Every gift that God has given you and everything God's given you is for the ability to live out and walk out your purpose in your season. All right. Because God sees the end from the beginning, according to Isaiah 46, he has a purpose for us, and I need to follow his eye in seeing what he's seeing. Which is number three, I think, told you just a minute ago, time is an interruption in eternity. The Bible says the, the trumpet shall sound and what? And time shall be no more. When the trumpet, the voice of God, it's not somebody bugling, the voice of God, like the trumpet, shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, those who are alive on the earth will be caught up to meet him in the air, time shall be no more. There will be no more fulfilling the purpose that the Lamb of God, the Son of the living God, has now coming to stand in his purpose, which is to avenge all of his enemies. And we will become with him in the air, and we will see him in greater glory than ever before. When I stand before the Lord in what's called the judgment seat of Christ, not the, which is the word that simply means the where rewards are handed out for those saints and believers. Great white throne judgment is where they, they're judged for the sin and whether they even come into the kingdom of God. The blood of Jesus, not, their name's not in the Lamb Book of Life. But at the Bema seat, which is called the judgment seat of Christ, it's where he hands out rewards. My biggest concern in my life right now, besides immediate family and all those things, I don't want to stand before the Lord and find out I've given you a purpose, I've given you giftings, I gave you a time, and you walk through the seasons, eh, good, and some not, sometimes not always good, and here's your reward. And I find out, I don't want to have to be on the, and I'm just imagining, on the backside over there, I get to see the city of God, but I don't get to go into it. I don't know if that's the case, but it very well could be. Because there is rewards. Hebrews says he is a rewarder of those who part-time seek him. What's the word? <laughs> diligently. Thank you for these scholars here. Those who are diligently seeking him, meaning they're giving themselves to it intentionally, not just on the side when nothing else matters and nothing else gets in my way, you know I'll be there. So we know what priority looks like at that point. So if this time is an interruption in eternity, so when he said time's no more, all of a sudden eternity will pick up. That's why my personal feeling is that people that have already died and passed on before us, when we are united in the air, it will seem to them as if we just saw you yesterday. 
because time will have no action in heaven. I, we, years ago when we had a little dog, we took our dog to the vet. And the vet says, you know, your dog has no concept of time. I said, I don't know. If I'm gone just half a day and I come in, the dog is, comes up and smells around and runs off. But if I've been gone two or three days, this dog, huh, 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 just wailing at me like, where have you been? You've abandoned me. I don't know if I agree with that. But I know that in the spirit realm, in the heaven, that there is no timeline. And there's no sense of understanding that there isn't because there's no nighttime. The sun, the moon, and stars were given to us as to know the time and seasons here, the Kairos and the Kronos. But in heaven, time is no more because the Lamb is the light. There is no night. There's no of that time. So right now, we have the opportunity to go after God with all of our heart and mind and strength. I am more intent now than when I first believed. When they asked Joshua, who went through all of the messes and problems, all the seasons, the changes with Israel, saying that Moses, you know, sinned and he didn't get to go in the promised land, saw 3,000 people wiped out in the desert. Can you imagine what Joshua is thinking about? Uh, man, I don't want to, I mean, I don't know if I'm even going to please God. Look at all the stuff he's done. But he held on to a promise that God had given him that I am going to get to go into that land of promise and there's a mountain with my name on it. When he came to that point, he announced to everybody, I'm 85 years old and I'm just now as fresh as I was as the day that God said it. Because the promises of the Lord will keep you generating and keep you young in spirit. I think it does physically as well. It will keep you so anointed, looking forward to, intent with the Lord, that when the devil comes up and says something, you say, oh, you get out of the way. i got a mountain I'm heading for. The devil would love to say, your time is over. You've messed up. You haven't been diligent. And you come back so I can redeem the time, make up for the time, get centered and focused back on the purpose of God and get behind me because I've got a mountain I'm heading towards. Acts talks about as David was faithful in his generations, so we're going to be faithful in our generations. Faithful just doesn't mean showing up, suiting up, but faith means full of faith, embracing and pursuing all that God has for us. I know it's hard for us when you're dealing with temporary stuff that goes on around us to think about, is there anything good happening in my life? And it beats us down so much so that we lose the sense that I am operating with eternity in my heart, immortality in the future, and I'm going to operate with as much love and mercy and intensity right now that's going to be accounted for in the heavens for me one day. And I can't get there on a family plan. Just because your mother was a prayer doesn't mean that you are. Doesn't mean, well, they're answering my mother's prayers. That's here. But when you stand there, you stand by yourself, by the blood of Jesus that was given for you, what, have, what will you do with what I've given you? All right, it'll get better in just a minute. Hang on. Number four. Right now we have an opportunity for stewardship. First Peter 4 says that we are to be good stewards. The word oikonomos means the, over, the oversight of the wealth of another. 
God has given us the wealth, which is the world itself, everything around us. So it's not, he's not talking about money there. The word wealth is usually translated many times there as influence. As a good steward of the manifold or multifaceted purposes of God. As a good steward, how am I supposed to be reacting with the time that he's given me? I am given time, you've been given time, and he gives us seasons to walk through that tests us whether we believe in the time or not. How do we, how do we follow through seasons as we go back to what God said, the last thing that I remember him saying? Okay, I love this one right here, number four. God doesn't measure you by your age. Listen to this. God, never where in any scripture did he ask anybody, how old are you? I challenge you, if you can find a scripture where God directly says, how old are you? Then I want to see it. But I do find places where he asks them, what are you doing? Not based on your age, what are you doing? Adam, what are you doing? All of a sudden, the glory of God's departed. What are you doing? When you look at the parables and scriptures, the majority of them are stories of accountability for time and giftings. The prodigal wasted everything his father gave him while he was in the pig pen. But he redeemed the time by recognizing in father's house, there's plenty to eat. Then why am I here? Because the season he was in wasted everything, but he knew that the time was back. I can get redeemed the time back in father's house. So he got up and went back to his father. So that's a story that God wants us to see. This is my heart in redeeming. When we see the parable, the word parabola is the word for parable, which means a story with truth in it. So the parable of the talents, the one, three, and five, and God measures them with what they did so they were accountable with what God gave them. It wasn't what they saved up. It was something God gave them. Talents was a weight of money, but also can have a value. It can be a gifting. It can be a purpose. If you're a mechanic, you have a purpose. You've given yourself to it. It's a gifting. It's what you do well. Then be the best mechanic you do and do everything you do. Do all in the name of the Lord. And you'll be rewarded for your attitude and response and, and integrity with people. So when, he, when we see that, that it's not responding by age, but accountability, that when he says, what have you done with that? And he comes back to each one, one of the five, you've been faithful with what I've given you. Five more will I give you. Now he's got 10. Goes to the guy with three. You've been faithful with that. You'll get three more. So now he's now up to six. Goes to the guy with one. What have you done with that? And the guy says, I know you, Lord which was the lie. The deception of the time we're in is for religiously for people to think they know God when they really don't. Because they will attach something to God that fits their, their own narrative or fit how they feel. And by fitting how they feel, they're going to miss God. And when they stand before him, God, I knew you, I know about you, and I know that you would not condemn me said, if you knew me, then what, would you do, what did you do with what I gave you in my son? 
So the guy with the one, he said, I knew you, so I buried it so nobody could steal it. You know, I would like to see if, if one of those guys had invested it and risked something and they lost it. I have a sense that he would not be chided for because at least he did something with it. He said, it'd be better putting your money out to usury than to do nothing. So he told the guy with one, you have lost it all. In other words, what the one you had, you don't even have that. And the idea, you have lost the understanding of who God is. And the guy that had the five, then five more ten, he gives to him the one, and now he has eleven. Because God will never give us any more than we're faithful with, with, with what we have. Yeah. What do we have that has a value to God? What has he gifted you with? What has he enabled you with? What has he empowered you with? And again, I'm not talking about standing behind the pulpit. Not at all. Not even close. But being faithful and full of that and full of time. Most of the time, if we gave into how we feel, we would do very little. I just don't feel like doing that today. But if I'm responsible in what I'm supposed to be doing, I go beyond how I feel and I respond. This may sound strange to you, but very few Sundays do I feel like preaching. I'm tired, you know. You know, it took a lot of work and all that kind of thing. You're saying it's a job? Yeah, it's a job that I love doing. But here's the thing. Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Because my reward is from there not from people. I love it when people get it. I love it when people enjoy my time and effort, but the greater joy is to hear him say, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. The word good, not only in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament has the word glory on it, weighty, kavod, the Old Testament. Good, one who carries the glory of God. Well done, you that have carried the glory of God my servant. You've served him with it and done well with it. All right. So look with me in, in Genesis, the 40th chapter. A few weeks ago, I kind of used this as a, as a springboard. The life of Joseph is interesting because God gives him a dream and shows him an ending of what could come concerning his place of authority. And he sees these, his sheaths bowing down. He sees the end, but he doesn't see the plan. Get that? I see the end result, but I don't see the plan. The plan is the season, and yet the promise or the destiny is the time. Psalms 105, it says, until the time that the word of the Lord tried or tested him, that Joseph then came to the fulfillment of that. The time he was tested in that time through seasonal things. So the seasons we go through is a testing in the timeline, if you will, to see if we're ready for the destiny. It was the plan that prepared Joseph for his destiny. Everything Joseph went through was sort of in preparation for whether he was going to be able to stand before the Pharaoh there. I'll right, pick it up in, in uh, 
chapter 40 and, and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the, and let me give you a backstory quicker. Joseph is in prison. Because of his gifting, he rises to the point that he's now over all of the prison. The jailer, head jailer, is just allowing him to operate. And so just like he was at Potiphar's house, now he's in prison and he is now head of the jail. What we do with what we're at, with what we have and where we are, determines how long we stay there. I'll say that again. How we respond with where we are and what we have will determine how long we stay there. So he's been there for a good while, years, and the Pharaoh gets upset with the butler and the baker and the candlestick maker. No, not really. So they come in, they're in the prison. So after this, we pick it up. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with the, these two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. They were now in a good place. Now notice this. The captain guard came to Joseph and he said to them, we had this dream and Joseph's and we're, con, we're very concerned and upset because in, we don't know how to interpret the dream. We don't know what to do. Verse six. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and said, saw that you were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not do not interpreters belong to God? Interpretation belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Now notice while Joseph was in custody, <clears throat> which was not the best situation, his circumstances were not ideal, but God gave him favor in the midst of the difficulty. And here's what I want us to see through this. That while he was in difficult situations, he had not yet come to a place of destiny. His gift still worked there. His gift was still operating there. I've had people tell me, said, you know, I just, I'm in a, a bad place right now and I just don't think anything's going for me. I just don't think I can hear God. I don't think and I don't want to move because what we're saying is that I only operate in my gift when I feel like it. When conditions are 100%, the weather's good, I have nothing else to do and I feel good about it, then I will. Then that means I'm not a very good steward of the gift of God. Going back to what Paul told Timothy, be instant ready in season. Whatever season you're in, be there. Show up. Do what God's given to you, whether you feel like it or not. And then operate with the full diligence of what God's given you. And so he's, he operated in the gift and he shares the dreams. Not going into all the dreams, but one of them has a dream about their head and this things on their head and basket on their head. And the other one had a similar dream to that. So he said, I got an interpretation. So he tells the butler, good news for you. The Lord is going to, your dream tells me the Lord, the God is going to restore, Pharaoh is going to restore you to your place as a butler. Can you imagine if you were the baker thing, man, things are going pretty well. He's going back to the palace and then Joseph tells him, but for you, this basket on your head means that he's going to take your head from you. And you're not going back to the palace. 
Now pick it up, verse 14. Joseph says to the butler, but remember me when it is well with you. When you get back to that position and you're stated back in a good position that you can help me, remember me that is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. And he goes on to say, I was stolen away. And he begins to give him the background and taking off. I didn't do anything for this. And all of these things have happened to me. Please remember me when you come into your place of authority. Verse 23. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Right when you try to figure a way to get out of the mess you're in by using someone else to get you out, they forget it. You're going to be there until the Lord says the season is done and when you're finally cooked and baked, you'll come out in the fullness of what he's called you to do. In the process of that time, you may not like it, but at least you know that I'm not going to remove myself or abort the promise of God before the time is finished. Can you imagine how that Joseph thought, man, this is it. I interpreted this guy. The gift makes room for itself. I've got all these verses that are fitting right in place. And it's, it's going to be how I get out of this. Anytime we use man's methods or man's ways to circumvent God's timing, we're going to be disappointed. Or we try to figure it out with our own mind. If I was God, I would let Joseph get out because he did good. And he was serving as a good steward of his gifting in prison. We find out later, verse four, chapter 41, verse, verse 1. Then it came to pass, at the end of two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, stood by the river, and the butler was there, heard the dream, and he brought Joseph in to interpret the dream. Even two years after, Joseph thought, this is my ticket out of here. I've scratched the right backs. I know the right people. Then, man, it's all going to work out. I tell you, I've done ministry for over 40 years, and I've seen many times people come to the point of saying, uh, because I know someone, they want me to call on someone to get them uh, a better deal or a better gig or do something. Or you know people that know people, and so would you take my book and give to them? And I don't mind helping out, and I don't mind doing that. If I have the witness of the Holy Spirit, I'll sure do it. But when they rely upon me as their source to open the door for something that God has not opened, then they're going to be disappointed in me. He that has the key of David, which is a type of Christ that shuts the door and no one can open it. And then when he opens the door and no one can shut it, then you know that you're in the time and the right season with the Lord. And it's a greater, greater opportunity to sing. I've walked through all of this, this plan, this journey. Had I not walked through this journey, I would not have been prepared right now to be at the second most powerful man of the universe. I did not wait. Years ago, I was growing up in a church and 19, 20 years old. And there's three of us young men that were all licensed together. And I realized I was full of myself. I had more zeal and more thought what I thought should happen and more vision and all. I mean, just busting out all over. 
But there was a guy who played the organ, played the piano, could sing like a songbird, and I couldn't do anything. He was recognized by the pastor as the fair-haired guy. He did the, he, I mean, he was even a janitor. And I just sat there. And once a year, when conference would come, I would get to sit on the platform because I had a card in my pocket that I was licensed. License, all it meant is that I could fix your flat tire, and that's about it. I could do a funeral or wedding, what nobody else wanted to do, let's, let's let Carrie do it. I had never done a funeral, I'd never done a wedding, so I wasn't even experienced with that. So one day I would, I would say, God, maybe I need to get out of this, I need to find a place, I need someone to open a door for me, I need someone that recognized me. And the Lord gave me a verse of scripture, spoke it to me before I even knew where I could find the Bible. And he says, one day, one person will be exalted above another, and another day, another person will be exalted above that. Unless you wait for your time that the Lord will lift you up, then you're operating outside of the timing of the Lord, and you're going to have a fall and a failure and have to go back to the very beginning. Wait upon the Lord and be renewed. The word wait, kavah, in Scripture there in Isaiah, means to braid together as in a tapestry. Braid it together till it is a, a tapestry that's fit and it also has a beauty to it. The hardest thing for me was waiting when I had all kinds of ideas what it could be done and should have been done. One of my friends began to put the word out to a church in Oklahoma. And he said to my friend, he said, Carrie and I have been going around preaching this was a guy, a pastor who came to the conference, Avan, Oklahoma, Leah. We were out there preaching, and he gave this opinion that we were this traveling evangelist. I preached twice in my life, and the kid that was telling me had never preached at all. <laughs> totally embellished. So he comes to me and said, hey, we're going to Avan, Oklahoma, a little, little burg outside of, and then, well, in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> You drive through this town, you can miss it. But this love the church, love the pastor. He was like a big brother to me. So we go down there, and I didn't know what's going on. He just said, hey, I'm inviting you to come down. So I'm, I'm thinking we're there to visit. And Mike, this guy that had been the, the, the road manager <laughs> that said all these things, we're sitting there talking, and his name is Junior Anthony, pastor. And he said, so I hear you guys have been burning the trails out there the kingdom of God. I go, what? I said, I preached a couple of times. He said, how much does Mike preach? I said, he's never preached a lick. He goes, oh my gosh. I've advertised you guys for Sunday morning and Sunday night. And these people, they want meat. He said, so you preach Sunday morning, Mike preached Sunday night. Man, I was nervous. I was up all night. Oh, God. Oh, God. If I've ever sinned against you, Lord, then I ask you to forgive me. If I have, Lord, I just repent now. I was down on my knees. I was up on my feet. I was worshiping. I was talking to the Lord. I was thumbing through my Bibles, anything, you know, stick out there. I've got to have a word from God. But I had one gift, and that was I had confidence and faith that if I would get up and prophesy to people, God would show up. So Sunday morning, I just read one verse of Scripture, felt the Spirit of God 
moving. We started prophesying over all, most of the people there, and we were there for a good while in the afternoon. Pastor was all excited. Now it shifts over to Mike. This true story. Mike, he is in the other room. I'm, I've been sweating bullets all night. Now it's his turn to sweat. He's the one who got us into this. And he'd open his head out a little bit. He said, what time is it? And he'd go back in. So anyway, he gets up in front of the people and he said, I've heard the Lord right now. I'm just, yeah. And he said, I hear the Lord that Carrie is supposed to take tonight. <laughs> Everything in what you want to say, I cast that cowardice spirit out of you right now. <laughs> All of a sudden, I went from nothing to the season had changed and I wasn't sure that I was really that ready. But that night, I did have a word from the Lord. We ended up having a great service and moving the Spirit of that. And for years, years later, he was, it was a great place and a friend of mine. But if we wait until we feel like it, or we wait till it's right, we have missed the preparation season. So all the stuff you go through, and I owned a little business and everything I went through dealing with employees and dealing with hassling and all that kind of stuff and, and customers and all of those things that I went with was part and parcel of the plan for what I was to do. What happens when we are going down the, the journey is that we get past those easily offended areas. You grow up because the devil can say boo to you and you back away, then he's, he's wasted the time. Or the fact that you're in and out of the kingdom of God based upon what I feel and all that, that means that you haven't come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the Son of God. You can learn about him and never come into him. Because if you're in him, into him, the intimacy of the Lord, then he's enough and sufficient. Now, I want to share how it personally it affects you, you and I individually. You may be in a time right now that you're in a season or season between seasons, time between times, and the Lord is waiting on us to outgrow things so that when we stand before that place, we have everything we need to be able to accomplish it. And it comes to the point where you can turn water into wine and not worry about who's there. You can look to the sick and say, be healed and not worry about whether it's your, your reputation or not. Then you're closer to the kingdom than you were before. God doesn't release us until we're ready to represent him in a full, full scale measure for that point. Now, um, if you don't know the season you're in right now, and things, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's too far to go back. Don't know where I'm heading. You're in a great place. Because you're in the season of trustability. You're learning trust. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, your emotions, your feelings. Lean not to your own understanding. Then the Lord... And honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase, and he'll make it well with you. 
So if I haven't learned to honor the Lord with my first fruits and my giving and my possessions, I'm not ready to be a recipient of all that God has. Because that means I'm a miserly and not a steward. I'm a, you know, not a distributor, but a consumer. So if he can't trust me with things in my life, then he can only give me to the level that I've walked through that he can trust me with and trust me for. Here's an interesting understanding with this. Um, there is an acronym, MTBF. If you were texting, MTBF, anybody knows what that means? I didn't know what it meant. Meantime, between failures. I haven't fully succeeded. I've had some failures, and I'm right in between times. It's not a comfortable position, but the in fact, even the word meantime, it's a real word, and it means moving towards but not yet arrived. I'm moving towards it but not yet arrived. I can say personally that I have not yet arrived with what I know I'm moving towards. I'm moving towards something that is supernatural. I cannot... I must not allow the natural things beset me because I'll miss the high calling of God for the supernatural. Pastor Olin years ago told me, he said, he said, I was watching a postman one day and he was delivering the mail. And the postman would come by every house and there was a dog in the yard, some of them running out. And the postman would stop and have to kick at the pesky dogs who was biting his heels all the time. He just went down the road doing this and stopped back, turned back with them. And he said, listen to me. If you stop and all you do is kick at the pesky dogs along the way, you'll never get to your destiny. All you do is fight the devil all the time and deal with, you know, obstinate things. And this didn't happen, that didn't happen. And, I, and have an agreement with what the hell, what hell's done, you'll never arrive where your destiny should be. Because the journey is the planning for where you're going to get there. All right, let me give you some verses to along that. You and I are in a time zone. That means we're in this zone of breaking through and accomplishing what he's called us to be. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, judge nothing before the time for the days are evil. In other words, saying at the end of the time, then God will be the judge. I can't judge right now what I am, but I know that what I am, I will be like he called me to be. First John 4. I'll be like him. That's, that's my goal. First Peter 1 and 6, rejoice though now for a season, though for a season you have been grieved by various trials, that, genuine, that the genuineness of your faith, the testing of your faith, the genuine of that, not just theologically, the genuineness of your faith be more precious than gold, though tested by fire, found to be a praise and honor and glory in Christ. Testing brings honor to the Lord somehow. Our response to it. Why me, Lord? Then that's a season. Why not me? Because I have now something to push against to give me some muscle. Resistance will build something. And when you, whatever you overcome, you now have authority over what you just overcame. Galatians 6 verse 9, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season, there will be a season that comes to an end if you haven't become weary and you've been faithful to worship and praise God through the season of that last, whatever you came through, you will reap 
if you don't faint, lose, lose strength, like a kick in the gut, lose air. Have the air knocked out of you. And the last one, Galatians 4.1, and it's really speaking of Jesus. It says, though he was heir of everything, he was under tutors and governors and teachers until the set time of the Father. There are some things that God will not release until he says so. Jesus was the heir of everything. God's son brought into this world by a virgin birth, and yet God wouldn't release him until the right timing. Jesus even said, no, no one knows the day or the hour except the Father. Not even the Son of Man knows it. So that tells me the fact is that God has a timeline, and all he's wanting us to do is to trust him for the journey and trust him through the plan till one day, and he says, Kirkwood, I'm sitting on the bench. The bases are loaded. I haven't batted for three. I haven't been up to bat in a long time. And all of a sudden, you think, oh, my. I struck out the last three times I've been up at bat. And I was laughed at. I didn't even get close to it. Coach, you sure that I'm the guy? It didn't happen to me in baseball, but it did happen when I'm explained to you. The first time I was called into a presbytery. And I thought, you got the wrong guy. 1,500 people there. I had to call people out of the balcony that I couldn't even see. And I thought, and the devil said to me, they're going to know right now that you're a fraud. You can't back out. You can't call in sick. You say, I'm not feeling well. And I wasn't. That was Shady Grove. You guys, you might have been there. And the Lord said to me, if you fear the people, then you'll be dumbfounded before them. That's what he said to Jeremiah. He said, stand up now or you'll never do this. There's three of us, very seasoned prophets, people that, that travel all over the world. And I was the newbie. I jumped to my feet before I even had time to think, which was probably good. And the guy who was kind of running the team, he looked at me and he said, it's Keith Hazel, are you, are you ready? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I'm sorry. I just got it. And he said, well, go ahead. I had no idea what I would say, but I knew between here and there was miles apart. I thought, God, we have three seconds between here to there to come up with a plan or I'm done. One thing of prophesying generally is another thing now prophesying to him. I got there and laid hands on this guy. It was Wayne Wilkes' brother-in-law. And I said to him, God gives you the strength of a, a C-130. I mean, this just popped out of my mouth. I don't even know if that's correct. Is there a such thing as a C-130? This guy goes, "Woo!" So talking to him about all that he was going to do with that, hearing myself say it, and I said, and your wife is going to get to go along with you like a co-pilot. They were excited. So I thought I was just getting metaphorically talking to them. I didn't know until years later, I ran into him at a, well, it wasn't that years later. Robert Morris was doing it. And he said, hey, come back up here. And I thought, oh, God. I'm going to get rebuked right here in front of God and everybody. 
Because there's no such thing in Scripture as a C-130 that I know of. And he said, have you ever seen these people before? And I said, no. I don't hardly know you, Robert. And he said, tell him what you do. He said, I just retired from the United States Air Force and I flew C-130s. My knees got weak. I went back and sat down and God told me that. He said, you never doubt me another day from right now on. In season, out of season, no matter how you feel it, no matter what you think, no matter whether anybody cares or not, you're in it for the long haul and you're in it with me. Amen. So, Father, we just ask you to forgive us right now. For, I pray for every person, God, that we're, you're walking through a season and you've wondered and had questions and not trusting you. Diane and I repented last night that we look more to doctors than we have to God. We, we did with God along the way, but we kind of, but we knew that the Lord says, now I got you where I want you. I'm not saying that's for everybody, just where we were. If you have been complaining all through the season, well, it didn't work out like I thought, or it should have been like this, or if I had married another, if I'd grown up another home, or been something else, somewhere else, something else. God knows the end from the beginning and he knew exactly where you would be, where you're at, and he has something tailored exactly for you to form and shape you into who you are. There's a number of verses in Romans and in Isaiah says, can the clay say back to the potter, why have you made me thus? But the potter had in his mind exactly what he wanted to make, putting pressure upon the clay all the while the wheel is spinning. Let me off this thing. It's going too fast. And yet you're in his hands. And when it's said and done, you may not like the vessel, but if it pleases him, and he's not asking you for, you know, what you wanted, but you submit yourself under the things of God, the mighty hand of the Lord. And he said, in due time, he'll lift you up. So Father, we just, we ask you to cleanse our heart. Wipe away, Lord, anything that would cause us to doubt you. The good thing is that you may be in a season, but it's not a terminal issue. It's a season. It comes and it passes. He has the times and seasons in his hands. Trust him. If you've been stuck, maybe you need to repent. If you're blaming somebody else for getting you stuck there, then know that they're not that big. God's bigger than they are. God can make a way when there seems no way. He can put a hole through a door to make a doorway. If through a wall, if he needs to get there, he knows what it takes to get you there. He just needs our cooperation all the way through there. So Lord, we just submit ourselves to the mighty hand of God. Forgive us that we've challenged you all the while what should have been and didn't work out. We ask you to forgive us that we've, we've put out the timetable. When I first came to Tyler, I told the Lord I'd give him five years of my life. And he must have laughed at that. Here it is, 40 years. 35 here in this church. 36 in this church. 
So instead of planning and planning it and plotting out all how you want it to do, and I'll do this and do that, I'll do this, and I'll get here to this age, I'll get to that age, give it up. God's not asking how old you are, how young you are. In fact, Timothy was so young that Paul had to say, do not despise your youth. Do not despise your older age. When he wanted to bring a nation, he goes to Abraham, a hundred years old. He didn't say, Abraham, Abraham, have you got one more in you, son? He didn't have one. He never had a son. When God wants to fight a giant, he brings a boy. When he wants to bring, bring the, the mother of the son of God, he finds a virgin. God will take the most unlikely situation and he'll bring it for his glory. And if you fall of pride to where you think, man, God, you're, you're, I'm such a good catch. There'll be fortune to have me. Then you're not ready for prime time. You're ready for the backside of the desert until he brings you off the bench. And then when that happens, you know, I could have waited another few years. Trust.